be attentive. Brethren, when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, stand through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Be attentive. At that time, Jesus, taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And they will deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and spit upon him, and scourge him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for what, us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand, and one on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand, or at my left, is not mine to grant. But it is for whom? For those whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant of James and John. 
And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peace be to you who proclaims the gospel. the pleasure of hearing another voice besides my own, our beloved Father John. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Christ is in our midst. Have you ever had that experience of trying to explain something simple to another person? And the other individual just doesn't get it. He somehow is so wrapped up with his preconceived notions that he can't embrace what it is you're trying to tell him. Well, we have an example of that in today's Gospel. One of the most outstanding passages, and you think, my heavens, look at these people. The Lord tells his disciples, he says, we're going up to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be condemned to death. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. Well, that's a code word for the Romans. And they're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to put me to death. But on the third day, I'll arise. You know, he's very blunt. He describes exactly what's going to happen, and it does happen that way. But then James and John, two of his closest disciples, come and say, Lord, we want you to do for us what we want. He says, and, and what is that? In your glory, let us sit one at your right hand and the other at your one at your right hand and the other at your left. Talk about not getting it. No airplanes landed in that field that day. These disciples just couldn't grasp it. The Lord tells them about about his coming crucifixion. And what's their main concern? The seating arrangement at the celebratory feast in the kingdom. They're not thinking at all of what he said because they're already ahead. They don't understand it. They don't get it. But this provides the Lord with a good opportunity to talk to his disciples. He doesn't get frustrated. He has this capability of using the situation for their benefit. And so he talks to them 
about what real service is. He says, you know, amongst the Gentiles, someone in authority lords it over. Lords it over his subordinates. And they have to listen to what he says. But he says, you know, that shouldn't, that's not to be so amongst you. Whoever is going to be an authority has to be your servant. And you must become servants of all. My heavens. In the second century, one of the main obstacles people had to embracing Christianity was a crucifixion. They said, what God, what God dies on a cross? This is ridiculous. We expect a God to be, to be authoritative. We expect our God to tell us and to give us direction. And you know, it's possibly true that if the Lord had been more forceful and more assertive in what he demanded of his disciples and followers, it may have been easier to missionize because people could accept that. It fit into their framework of what they expected a king to do. But Christ says, no. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And you must become slaves of all. Oh my heavens. You must be servants of all. That's the term thulos in Greek can mean either slave or servant. Because the reality is that in the time of Christ, most servants were in fact slaves. And so the Lord is telling them this harsh teaching. That's a harsh teaching for us. What do we think of when we hear the word servant? I read somewhere that in England, to be a servant was something that was considered a noble profession. But you know, the status of a servant depended on the status of his, of his employer. And so by himself, he had no dignity. What American dreams, maybe one day my child will be a servant. We, what do we tell our children? You can be president. You can become the top person. You, you can become the next Bill Gates. My heavens, we give our children such images of what they can become. But no one says, hey, with luck and hard work, you can become a servant. We don't do that. Because it doesn't make sense. We can't grasp it. We can't grasp it. My heavens, how difficult it is for us. Dictators around the world live in great luxury while their people starve. I think of Nicolae Ceausescu, who was a communist dictator in Romania. My heavens, the people of Romania were literally starving. And Ceausescu was plating his bathroom fixtures in gold. In his great palace, he installed a chandelier with so many lights that there wasn't enough electricity in Bucharest to, to turn this thing on. But he wanted glory. 
he wanted people to see how important and significant he was. We can think of the poor country of Venezuela with their current dictator who lets his people starve while he has luxury. Beloved, Christianity turns all of this upside down. And perhaps that's why it's so hard for us to be good Christians because of what our Lord says. He says that if we want to be a true leader in the church, we must be a servant of all. Now the greatest servant we have in the church is none other than Christ himself. And he acts as a servant, serves as a servant, in two very important ways. God the Father had a message. A message that he kept sending to his people, the Jews. But the Jews, they were like us. They couldn't embrace it. They couldn't, they couldn't grasp what the Lord is trying to teach them. And so finally, when the fullness of time came, the Lord sent not another prophet. He sent the people his own son to explain the realities to them. And what Christ came, he enters human history. And he teaches us. He instructs us. The first and most important point is that God is, exists. God is there. And that God loves mankind. This is the message that Christ comes to preach. And he tells us that sin no longer needs to be a barrier between us and God. Because through the act of repentance, we can be reunited with our Creator. This is marvelous good news. Our Lord spends three years in a very limited geographic area teaching this. Teaching by words and teaching by his own example. That there is a God, that he loves us, and that he wants us back. That he really, really loves us. So this is the first part. The second part, Jesus shows that he is the great, the great servant who has been predicted by the prophets. 350 years before Christ. Isaiah gave a prophecy of the suffering servant of the Lord. The one who would come and who would make everything right. But no one could understand it. For half a millennia, half a millennium rather, the people couldn't grasp what Isaiah was telling them. Until finally with the crucifixion, what Isaiah was saying fell into place and people could understand. Because Christ is that suffering servant of the Lord. And this is what Isaiah says. He says, My servant, despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. However, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. On him was the chastisement which made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed. God, the Lord, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. However, he bore the sins of many and made intercessions for transgressions. This is the passage we read on Holy Friday in the royal hours and at Vespers. And you understand why. This is the, the suffering servant of the Lord. The one who's going to heal us by his wounds and restore us by his stripes. Despised and rejected by men. And this is Christ. He is that servant who comes to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Namely, overcome sin, fight the devil, and destroy death. And what a gift this servant has given to us. What a gift he continues to give to us. Well, Christ goes further. In the scriptures we read that a servant is not greater than his master. Christ is our master. And if he became a servant, concerned for the least of his brethren, so must we. Do you remember who the second most important ser servant in Scripture is? The first is Christ. The second we celebrate on March 25th, the Holy Virgin. When she's offered the commission to become the mother of God, do you remember her words? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Handmaid is another term for female servant. She's a female servant and she gives us the example of how we're to follow Christ by becoming servants ourselves. You know the term for bishop. The bishop is the episkopos. Episcopos, the supervisor is the English term. Well, the supervisor in the time of the Roman Empire was a head slave of the household. He's the one that made sure that the other slaves did as they were supposed to do, but he was a slave. And so the bishop is the slave of the household of God. St. Paul says that the household of God is the church. And so in the church, that the, the human head of the church, the face of the church for us, is the archbishop. But he's a slave. And guess what? The rest of us are called to follow suit. The rest of us are called to be slaves as well. St. Paul has some choice words about, about our role in the church. When he writes to the Romans, he says, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love each other with brotherly affection. Outdo each other in showing honor. That's a tough hoe, row to hoe. How do we follow that? When he talks to the Philippians, he says, in humility, count others as better than yourself. 
And to the Galatians he writes, Through love become servants of one another. A friend once asked me, he knew I was going to be a priest, and he said, I understand how a society can operate and rule with the Ten Commandments. But he said, how do you rule with the commandment to be humble? With the commandment to love? With the commandment to forgive? And he's right. That is so difficult. God works in the world through us. We are his body. We are his hands and his feet. And so if and when there's a tragedy that occurs, we shouldn't join the rest of the media in saying, where was God? But we should say, what can I do to help? Because truly, we represent Christ. And in terms of becoming servants, it's not just to one another, but to the world. And this is the way that we convert people to our Lord Jesus Christ. We're now entering the home stretch for Great Lent. This coming week is Week of the Palms. And as you come to the services and as you read your own copies of the Triodion at home, you're going to hear the account of Lazarus getting sick, dying, and then his visions, and finally his resurrection until we come to the glorious day of Palm Sunday. And then we're going to enter into that period of Holy Week. But as we enter this home stretch, let us consider that term servant. Let us remember the Lord's words to, to Hosea. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And hopefully we get the point that God tries to make for our lives in this last week, this last period of Great Lent. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.